Welcome to Yoga Chit Chat. I am Phoebe Schiff, yoga teacher, bookworm, and astrology enthusiast. And I'm Karek Morinaga, yoga teacher, comic book reader, and coffee addict. Every week we meet virtually for an informal discussion on a common yoga philosophy principle, teaching, or theme. Today's topic is prana, the Sanskrit word for life force or breath. This is such a broad topic. It's pretty close to something like, what is yoga? We could take the conversation in a number of different directions. So I'm very curious to see which direction it goes. Here's where I'll start. Let's break down the word into the two syllables. The first syllable, pra, P-R-A, means first. And the second syllable, na, and a means unit. Together, prana means first unit. And in a lot of what I was reading, prana in some ways is the, it's the first unit of everything. It is the material and immaterial substance of the entire universe and everything in it. It's sort of the, the lowest common denominator of, of reality. And it really is the starting point for yoga. It's the first thing that we do in every yoga pose. We take a breath. And it's the thing that we do in every pose. So it's the common denominator between all of the yoga poses as well. No matter which pose you're doing, you have to breathe. Other definitions define it as vital force or life force. There is prana in every cell in our bodies. So there is prana pulsating in every part of ourselves and and in our experience. Another definition or another explanation of it is that prana is the energetic movement of our minds and bodies. So there is an element of it that implies movement and force and flow. Let's start with prana's breath and take it onto the mat. The breath is the most important element of yoga. Without the breath, without consciously breathing, I feel like you're kind of just doing exercise. You're not really doing the yoga practice. The breath is the connection between the mind and the body. The breath is something physical. You have to move your diaphragm. You have to expand your lungs. You have to use your body to breathe. And when you're breathing consciously, And I would consider prana more of a conscious breath. When you're breathing consciously, you're engaging your mind to be aware of the breath, to control the breath. In addition to that, the breath also is something beyond the body, beyond the mind. The breath literally moves outside of the body. When you exhale, little particles of you leave your body and go out into the world, out into the universe. And then when you inhale... You inhale particles of the universe, of other people even, into your body. And there's this exchange. There's an exchange of energy. There's an exchange of particles. The breath is this living force that's moving in and out of you, connecting you to everything. So the breath represents spirit in our practice. It's a symbol of something bigger than just our bodies and just our minds. And at the same time, the breath is physical and the breath is a mental awareness. 
So it really is the starting point of the mind-body connection. It's the connection to everything in us, deep inside of us, and everything outside of us. It's such an important part of the yoga practice. Coming back to the idea of first unit, if you don't breathe, then you're not doing much else. Breath is the first unit, the, the sort of prerequisite of our reality. Without it, we, we can't worry about much else. So if the breath or prana is disturbed, then the mind and body will be agitated. When prana is flowing, then mind and body tend to be steady. And this is something that we experience on our mats. And it's a, a moment-to-moment experience in our practice. You can be really connected to your breath in one pose and feel very grounded and feel very in flow. And then, of course, you can lose your breath in another pose and realize that that is the missing link. For me personally, I working on kicking up to handstands, the last thing that was missing for me, I, I knew I was strong enough. I knew I had the flexibility and the last thing, or really the first thing that I was missing was finishing out my exhale on the way up. So again, it reminds us that the prana, the breath is the first unit of our experience. And that really anything that happens afterwards in some ways is it's important, but we need that first building block in a pose and in our life to be able to move forward with whatever it is that we're, we're working on or manifesting. I love prana as life force and as the first unit in many ways, it's as though the prana existed before our bodies, before our minds. That life force was there before us. Spirit existed before our bodies, before our minds. It's always present. The breath is always present. Prana is always present. The life force is always present. But it's so easy to forget. When you're working on kicking up to handstand, when you're struggling in life, it's so easy to focus on the externals, the physical, the challenges in life, and we forget about the breath, even though it's always there. So one of the big lessons of of yoga is to remember the highest, to remember what's important, to remember the first unit. And so we continually remind ourselves as yoga students to to come back to the breath, to return to the breath. And we'll hear it so often in a yoga class that I think it sometimes gets lost on us how important the breath is because it's such a key element. We almost forget how important it it can be. Yeah, I think of, you know, as my personal yoga practice has evolved over the years in the first Maybe, I don't know, five or six years, of course, I was just really interested in the poses and I wanted to do all the cool ones. And, and that, was, that was yoga to me. It was working out to poses. And now the deeper I get into it, I think of yoga as, as really just a practice of remembering to breathe in moments when you're probably least inclined to. And so we come to our mats to put ourselves in these precarious positions 
and then teach ourselves. And really it's, it's kind of triggering a response in your brain to breathe when things get difficult. And that's what yoga has been so helpful with for me is to train myself to, because so often when things get challenging, our inclination is to hold the breath. And from a very practical standpoint, we are depriving ourselves from energy when we do that, which makes whatever situation at hand even worse. So using yoga as a practice of reminding ourselves to breathe as much as possible, and especially in the face of challenging circumstances, is really what my, my practice has evolved into and comes back to this idea of a first unit. And then that very same breath, it's important to remember to breathe physically. And then the breath also, I'm going to take it back to that symbol of spirit. So it's important that the breath reminds us of who we are on the deepest level. So we take that breath and it calms us, it steadies us, it focuses our minds and our hearts in a way because the breath is that symbol of something deeper. The breath draws us deep inside ourselves. The breath connects us to the universe outside of ourselves. So when we remember to breathe, we remember that we are more than just our challenges and problems and everyday lives. We are beings of light and energy and spirit and breath. And it connects us back to, I like to say source, but I love that prana means first unit. I did not know that until you gave that definition this morning. I was excited when I found it. I have another definition of prana, which is my own. Uh, the way that I've come to understand it. And I think of prana because, yes, prana is breath, but prana is also beyond human bodies and beyond living things. It's also in, in nature. It's in space. It's in all of these different things. And so my definition of prana is also forward momentum. You know, something that I have always sort of admired and been puzzled by in this reality is the fact that there is always this forward moving energy in everything. You know, humans wake up every day and go and do stuff and clouds are moving and flowers are blooming and animals are going out to look for food. And prana to me is the force that creates this forward momentum, this almost inexplicable momentum and movement forward that is what makes the seasons change and what makes the grass grow. And and really that's the same process that's waking us up every day and propelling us into all of the things that we do. And so prana as forward momentum for me reminds me that one of the highest intentions of yoga is to make space in your body. And we do that physically. When we do that, we are making space for more prana to flow in and propel us forward into the things that feel really good. Pranayama is the practice of breath control prana being the breath and yama 
being restraint or control is often the translation. So pranayama, breath control or breath restraint. However, we can also break down the word a second way. Pran without the A at the end is still breath. And then ayama, the A in front of a word in Sanskrit is a negation. So ayama would be not restraining or not controlling. So pranayama could be translated as breath expansion. I love that definition. And it ties closely to to what you're talking about, creating space, creating space in our lives, uh, creating space in our bodies, creating space for the breath so that we have that space for the forward momentum. It's funny. Sometimes when I get stuck in my head about something that I'm trying to solve, I think about how prana is really kind of the guiding force that gives birds directions to migrate or helps the plants figure out how to grow. And so sometimes when I'm overthinking something, I realize that what I need is simply to make space for more prana to flow in and to guide me where I need to go. I don't think birds are sitting around and being like, should we migrate north or should like should we go southwest? You know, they they seem to have and so in that I think prana also has an intelligence to it. And when we make more space for it by practicing yoga and meditation, then we give ourselves the opportunity to access this intelligence. And this is why yoga and meditation are so helpful when you are in transitional moments of life and really in reality, our entire life is is transition. So when we open ourselves up to that energetic intelligence, that momentum of prana, that's why suddenly we move out of our heads and into the this this intelligent energy that has existed maybe before time in many yoga poses we'll hold the pose statically and there doesn't seem to be a lot of movement but internally we can talk about the flow of prana the flow of energy whether it's through nadis or through the muscles, it can be very physical. We can talk about prana as being everything from the circulation of the blood to the movement of the breath, the electrical impulses along our nervous system, and then the much more subtle nadis of which there are supposedly thousands. And as yoga students, we are learning to manipulate and channel the energies in a way that expands us from the inside out, that allows things to move and flow more freely. When we're out of alignment, when we're injured, when muscles are tight and the pranic flow can be cut off or restrained, And so our practice is one of of freeing ourselves, of clearing those channels. I love that concept of prana as energy moving through the body. Very important to us as Hatha yoga teachers. So there's also the pranic system. And there are the nadis, which come up quite a bit in yoga, anatomy, and philosophy. And the nadis are energetic channels of prana that vibrate. And 
I find the idea of nadis really, really interesting. So there are these channels in our bodies. And when we practice yoga and we practice meditation, we open them up to receive more prana. We have this whole network. It's almost like a a network of like phone lines in our bodies with all of this energy and intelligence moving back and forth. And when things physically or mentally feel stuck or stagnant, it's often simply because the naughty system is blocked and there is a pranic flow that isn't happening. I kind of think of it as like a, like a river dam, like there's a log or something in the way. And so then our practice is what helps restore that flow. I also read the naughties defined as strings on a cosmic musical instrument, which I loved. It helps us contextualize this idea as if a string on an instrument in, is out of tune, then it's going to throw off the whole song that you're trying to play. And in the same way, if a channel of energy in our body is out of tune, so to speak, then it's going to throw off the way that the instrument of your body plays. This helps me just understand sometimes why I'm not practicing in the way that I want to be or if I'm not feeling well. We have so many energy channels moving. And so if something gets blocked for one reason or another, then everything is going to be a little bit out of tune. And this is why we keep coming back to our mats to keep tuning our instrument. For many of us, when we are using the instrument of our bodies to do really beautiful things, to play lots of songs, then we require frequent and detailed fine tuning, which is why there are times you can, there are times you can practice too much, but for the most part, doing a lot of yoga is, is only going to help you. I hesitate to say you, I mean, you you can do too much yoga. Yes. Um, And there is always the opportunity to, to really come back to your breath. And that's the thing, you know, yoga as an asana practice is one thing. And ultimately you can never return back to your breath enough times. It's always there for us. I always find this notion of the breath inside of us as this very interesting phenomenon of this experience. Like it is, it is the first unit. It is the building block of everything. And yet we, as humans, look for every reason besides the breath for why we're not feeling well or why we're not getting the results that we want. It's like it couldn't be as simple as being free, available in your chest anytime. Your example of the nadis as the strings of life force in our bodies is uh, reminds me of I go to a Chinese herbalist and I actually have an appointment later today. In the Chinese medicine, it's chi would be similar to what, what we call prana. And the Chinese herbalist has me sit in front of him with my palms face up and then he'll place his fingers on different parts of my hands or my forearms and he's feeling for those channels or those strings. And it's almost like he's playing 
uh, a, a string instrument on my arms and my hands. And he, what he's doing is he's feeling for the vibration or I don't know that he would say vibration, but he's feeling for the vibration of those strings and sort of like tuning a piano. He's recognizing what things are out of tune and based on his analysis or based on what he feels, he's then creating a prescription of herbs that will bring me back into balance, that will tune tune me up at the very fine, detailed level. And then I think of yoga as sort of on this, this other bigger, not as refined level. And we can sort of self-tune with yoga, or we can go to other practitioners and, and get a tune-up with a massage or with a, a body worker or with Chinese herbalist or acupuncture. All of those things to me are just different modalities of tuning up the body. And I think you're right. It all really circles back around to just being about the breath. If we can breathe, then that's the, that's the first thing we need to do as human beings, as living beings, is we need to be able to breathe. We need to be able to breathe, hopefully relatively easily, so that we're, we're happy in life, life continues. So the breath really is the life force. Without the breath, there is no life. Right. The vital foundational force. I have a close friend who's an acupuncturist and I was doing acupuncture consistently for a couple of years. And that is a, a different modality with a similar intention. So you're taking these super, super thin needles I know in acupuncture, the idea is energetic meridians. And so the idea is to put needles in very intentional spaces in your body to open up pranic flow. And what's so cool about acupuncture is that it can be very subtle. And then sometimes my friend will put a needle in a particular spot and it feels like a bee sting. I mean, it is intense and it tends to indicate that there is something blocked there. And so then by lying there and breathing through it, you are reopening something that was blocked. You're, you're taking the, the dam off of the river and, and restoring that, that flow. And so it, it really makes us understand that there are a ton of really complex health issues. And simultaneously, it, it really just comes down to pranic flow most of the time. We need, you know, energetic flow, we need blood flow, we need circulation, and and ultimately in every aspect of our health, flow is what we desire and stagnation is what starts to create an issue in our bodies and honestly in our lives as well. You know, we want a flow we want a, a, a consistent flow of money. We don't want stagnation when it comes to money. We want a consistent flow when it comes to relationships. You know, if relationships are just one-sided, then they don't really work. And so over and over again, prana as, as breath or force reminds us that we, in this experience, flow and circulation and movement is what allows us to experience the best version of ourselves and our lives. 
What are some of your favorite practices for increasing pranic flow? What are some common things that you might teach in a class or what do you do, whether it's sitting at home or moving in a yoga pose or even just sitting in your car? What are your practices for prana? Personally, I practice a few different kundalini kriyas every morning. Kundalini is a style of yoga that is based on the idea that we have this contained kundalini uh, energy within us, often symbolized by a snake. And then by doing these different types of breath work, then you are you're almost like a snake charmer and you are bringing the, the energy of this coiled snake out in your body. And so what that looks like in practice is I practice something called breath of fire every day. And that's a very rapid pulsation of your navel with a quick inhale and exhale. So I do that for about five minutes. And that's kind of, I, I think of that as like a, like a prana waterfall first thing in the morning. So it really energizes me. I like doing it in the morning because it's very refreshing. It, it helps me kind of clear the channel. And I do a couple other of, of Kundalini Kriyas like that, but anything that pumps your navel back and forth is really great. In what I teach and what I practice myself quite simply is what I said earlier and is starting with the breath. Before you do anything in a pose, before you make a big decision, it is coming back to the first unit. And so much of what I teach is training my brain and training the brains of my students, hopefully, to start there and to notice when a bit, I've started to notice when I start holding my breath in conversations. And it tends to be if I'm in like a negotiation type conversation or, or something where I really need to hold my ground, I'll start to feel my chest burn because I'm not breathing. And those are the moments when I need prana when I need forward momentum the most. So practicing rapid breath work and then also teaching and reminding myself to breathe when things get challenging is the way that I sort of integrate. How about you? The most common pranayama or breath technique in the asana practice is the ujjayi breath. Ujjayi pranayama is victorious breath. It's simply toning the back of the throat. What I mean by that is we'll create a valve at the back of the throat to regulate the rate and the pressure of the breath. The easiest way for me to describe it is when you are fogging up your sunglasses to clean them or you're fogging up a mirror, you create like a whispering sound at the back of the throat. <sighs> Except your mouth is closed in the ujjayi breath you make that same valve at the back of the throat on the inhales and the exhales. A lot of teachers say it sounds like ocean waves or it sounds like Darth Vader breathing a little bit. It's a way of quote unquote, controlling the breath, regulating the rate and the pressure of the breath with the valve in yoga will direct students to breathe this way as much as possible throughout the entire class. Honestly, I don't think I've made it through an entire 90-minute class with that breath the whole time. At some point in class, I'll forget. I'll catch myself holding my breath, or I'll just breathe a regular unconscious breath. 
but the intention is there. The intention is to maintain the prana, to maintain the ujjayi breath throughout the practice. And then I also find myself using that same breath throughout the day. If I'm stuck in traffic and I'm cutting it a little bit close to get to my next appointment, I will start breathing through my nose, toning the back of my throat, listening to that resonant sound inside of me as a way to calm myself, as a way to slow things down and just remember that the most important thing is to breathe. That's probably the most common and easiest way that I slip into remembering prana. When I meditate, one of the very simplest things to do is just to count the breath. I don't generally set a timer. When I'm meditating, I'll I'll just breathe. And I know that 108 breaths for me is a little over 10 minutes. So if I'm meditating for 10 minutes, 108 breaths. If I'm meditating for 20 minutes, 108 times two. So counting the breath, I guess similar to counting sheep when people are trying to relax to go to sleep, the proverbial counting sheep, it's just counting the breath. Another way of expanding the awareness of the breath is to direct the breath to different parts of the body. What I mean by that is pulling the breath to, well, the, the simplest way for me to explain it is if you were to put one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly, you can inhale and expand your belly into one hand and the breath feels like it's moving to your belly, even though you're still just breathing into your lungs. You don't have lungs in your belly, but you can inhale and expand your belly into one hand. And then in the next breath, you can inhale and expand your chest into the other hand. Then on the next breath, you could inhale and expand your breath into both hands. So this is just a, an example of breathing into different parts of the body, your belly versus your chest or both. On the mat, on the yoga mat, I'll often ask students to breathe into their feet, to inhale and simultaneously expand your feet into the floor. Or I'll ask them to breathe into their hips or wherever, whatever part of the body is working. So inhale and expand your hips behind you. And technically, that's not what's happening. They're not, again, they don't have lungs in their hips. They're not really breathing into their hips, but it feels that way. So if you inhale, push your hips back and wide, it feels like your hips are expanding because of the breath. And when we do that, when we direct the breath, when we're conscious of moving and expanding a part of the body, more oxygenated blood will move to that part of the body. And so in a way, it's sort of like we are breathing into that part of the body as more oxygen moves towards that part of the body. So a directed breath, helping us to focus awareness, helping us to focus the life force really into different parts of the body is another way that I'll use prana personally for myself or for my students to increase awareness, increase the pranic flow, bypass or clear blockages or restraints physically in, in the body. What's interesting about everything that you said is that it reminds me that breath is also our, it's our key to the present. You, when you lose your breath, you often are losing your, your presence and your awareness of the moment. 
And when you are breathing, it is this, this return, this arrival back into the present moment over and over and over again. So if you get stuck in your thoughts, often you stop breathing because your awareness is going outside of your body. And then this is why yoga as a physical practice keeps us in the moment because it is training our awareness to come back to our feet, to come back to whatever sensation is happening in our body to keep us here versus future or past. I think every practice that we mentioned is about consciousness. It's about connecting back to source. It's about being very aware of what we're doing. And and that's why we practice it. That's why we practice prana. That's why we practice breathing both on and off of the mat. I think ultimately that in discussions about spirituality or about philosophy, often the most spiritual thing you can do is to just breathe and be in the moment and everything else is is really just a tool to get you to that level of awareness. So may we continue to open ourselves up to the forward momentum of prana on and off our mat. So everyone keep breathing. Thank you guys. We would love to hear about your thoughts about the episode or your personal definitions of prana, um, follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at yoga.shit.chat. And then check out our website. We write blogs each week about our topics, www.yogachitchat.com. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.